Episode 329 of the BizTalk podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to our business community. I'm editor Kirk Seminoff. The Wichita Business Journal held its ICT Summit on Thursday at WSU Tech's niche facility downtown. And that's appropriate because downtown was the topic of the day-long conference. We had three panels talking about downtown's past, present, and future. And in this podcast, we'll hear the final panel talking about the future. Panelists were Jeff Floor of the Greater Wichita Partnership, Natalie Gosh of Cargill, Rick Muma of Wichita State University, and Luis Rodriguez of Method Productions. It's a great listen for those interested in not only future projects headed for downtown, but how the city should build on momentum to garner more public and private investment. But first, here's a look at what's in this week's edition of the Wichita Business Journal. Our cover story this week is our 2023 Women in Business Awards. Meet 30 women who are standout professionals in impressive careers, and just as importantly, work at improving other women's careers as well. Our Women in Business coverage begins on page 11. Our list this week is Home Builders. See who garnered the most revenue in the past year and see what kind of headwinds their leaders see ahead. The list is on page 8. Our Young Professionals series continues this month with Young Professionals in Healthcare. Meet these valuable and talented folks beginning on page 41. Part of our mission is to help small and medium-sized businesses grow. One way we try to accomplish that is through our weekly lead section. We list bankruptcies, new real estate deals, building permits, new corporations, who owes back taxes, and court judgments. Our lead section this week begins on page 54. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. Like I mentioned, the WBJ held its ICT Summit on Thursday, and the topic was downtown. Its past, its momentum, and its future. We'd like to bring you this week the final panel of the day. Again, it's Jeff Fleur of the Greater Wichita Partnership, Natalie Gosh of Cargill North American Protein, Rick Muma, President of Wichita State University, and Method Productions leader Luis Rodriguez. It's a lively and fun conversation talking about the momentum surrounding downtown Wichita projects and how it can be sustained. Give it a listen. By the way, I'm the panel's moderator slash referee. Okay, again, we're going to start with self-introductions. Jeff, we kind of know who you are by now, but you're going to start us off. Tell us where you're from, how you got to Wichita, what you do, and all that good stuff. Uh, Jeff Fleur. I'm with the Great Wichita Partnership. Uh, originally grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, and then went to graduate school down at LSU, where I really got involved with downtown development. Uh, fortunately, in 2008, we got a call to look at Wichita, uh, to look at the opportunity of moving our family to this city. Uh, I'm glad that we took the opportunity to look at it. Uh, it's an incredible city. Uh, we're thrilled to be a part of what's happening, uh, and certainly not only where we come from, where we are now, but where we're going. So thank you to this community for giving me an opportunity and my family, uh, and also to continue to grow. So we appreciate that. Thank you. I don't know how I got sat between these two here. <laughs> we need to talk about the seating order, I think. Just move it back okay. a little bit when you want. Uh, anyway, my name is Natalie Gosh, and before I talk about uh, what I do, um, I don't want to be in trouble for not talking about who I am, right? Uh, so I'm a local gal. 
Uh, I grew up on a farm uh, in uh, Mulvane, so south of here a little ways. Uh, my dad was also a small business owner. He was a veterinarian. Uh, so I spent the better part of my youth uh, on a combine, uh, helping pull calves, the whole uh, nine yards. Uh, and then I chose to attend one of our terrific universities in the state, Kansas State University. Yeah, okay, I'm waiting for some Big 12. Yeah, thanks Jason, solidarity there. Um, and then uh, chose to pursue a career in agribusiness. Uh, my degree was chemical engineering. Um, I loved the math and science, um, but what drew me to Cargill, which is where I work, um, was the agribusiness, those ag roots. Um, and I hear a lot about um, aircraft and, and things here in Wichita, and, and that's all awesome. Um, but ag and food are sexy, okay? <laughs> right? It's, it's cool, okay? So let's not forget about them, and I'll talk more about that uh, throughout this panel. Um, but uh, feeding people is very personal, right? It's on our table. We bring it into our bodies, into our homes. Um, and so I just am very passionate uh, about what we do. Um, I also uh, had the fortune with Cargill to um, travel all around the globe um, doing projects and, and helping feed people, um, but chose to come back here. Um, I met my husband in Chicago. He grew up throughout Europe and was living in the big city when I met him, and when I told him we were coming back here, he thought, girl, you're crazy. Um, but he'll tell you that he loves this community as well. Um, in fact, he's an assistant district attorney, works for Mark Bennett down at the DA's office. Um, Avery is his name. He leads the financial crimes unit. Um, but at his level, um, he does murder trials, all the stuff to protect our community. So you can see how uh, deeply this area means to us. Um, we also were fortunate to raise a daughter in this area. She's 17 and will graduate uh, from high school this year. Um, free tuition. <laughs> we'll get to that one later. Uh, but that's who I am. Um, so what I do, I do work for Cargill. Uh, I actually, uh, the, even the title on the program is uh, wrong already because I was just asked to help with global talent strategy. So damn, a chemical engineer working on global talent strategy? Um, yes, right? Because it's, it is about people. So that is what I do today. Good afternoon, everyone. It's good to be here. Um, and among these uh, very esteemed folks, it's great to be on the panel with you. So uh, I grew up down in Houston, Texas, where I went to basically elementary, middle, high school, college, undergraduate, and, um, and some graduate aspects of my education. But I was actually born in Wichita. Um, and I moved away when I was two years old. My father were, was an electrical engineer for Conoco Oil Company and worked here and then Ponca City, Oklahoma. And then when, when all the oil companies started going to Houston, that's when we moved down there. So I moved away when I was two and I moved back when I was 32. Um, developed deep connections to this community even though I grew up in Houston because my grandparents lived here. My, my mother's uh, parents uh, worked at the university. So she, uh, my grandmother used to bring me up to the campus when I was a little boy and used to uh, roam around the campus, knew everything about the campus and how wonderful Cessna Stadium was. I thought that was huge facility when I was little. You know, everything's bigger when you're little. Um, and so uh, 
a lot of things happened in my career, uh, but I met some people in my career who worked at Wichita State, and um, they convinced me to um, come to, to come to the university, and so I did. And one thing led to another, and now I'm the president of the university. <laughs> How often do you get that free tuition joke? Just curious. <laughs> Probably like twice a day. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty common. <laughs> so now it's your turn. <laughs> So, uh, I'm Luis Rodriguez, and uh, when Jeff and John and Kirk asked me to sit up here today, they said, we need a buffoon. <laughs> and uh, originally from Puerto Rico, Santa Isabel, anybody? I keep hoping that'll work here. Um, I moved to Wichita very young, uh, five years old. Um, Tyler's Landing, and if you know that area of West Wichita, when, we, when I grew up there, there was just an apartment complex there and grass, like for real grass. And the grass affected my dad's tropical nature and he went back to Puerto Rico. So I had the glorious ability of flying back and forth between Wichita and Puerto Rico for most of my life. So. Uh, I kind of grew up in both places, and I call myself a man with no country, right? Because, you know, both places are a little odd to me because I'm Midwestern in a lot of ways and hot Caribbean in others. But I landed here for my career. Hot Caribbean, Jason. That's what you told me to say. Uh, <laughs> I landed here for my career and ended up being um, like, like he said, yada, 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 through all these important things, ended up being the uh, former president of Keycentrics, which we moved downtown on Emporia. Uh, today, I work really hard with the community. We have Flagship Kansas, a tech council for our area and, uh, and other community projects. And, and, you know, I serve on the downtown board a little bit and do little things here and there to annoy people. Right, Tanya? Like, that's my primary job. I called him a wild card. Was I right? <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, let's start here. A figure that I'm not sure we've heard today, but I've, I've read and seen and heard is $1.6 billion has been invested in the city's core since 2010. Uh, is, that, is that right? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. So that's an impressive number, but can we break that down a little bit? What does that mean? Can we have a conversation in terms of what 1.6 me billion means in terms of what can we touch, what can we see, sure. decision-making? Yeah, the the 1.6 billion that you've heard um, Kurt say, and then we talked about just briefly this morning, is that if you look at investment, uh, public and private, from 2010 until literally within the last month, about 1.6 billion has, in, has been invested. Uh, about 75% of that is private. Uh, so the other remaining is how the public sector has stepped forward. If, you, if you've heard us talk about today, right, Project Downtown has really laid out a roadmap on how is it the public sector invests strategically to unlock the private sector, and that's exactly what's happened. So, uh, Kurt, when you look at that number, those are things like uh, this building, where you're in today, uh, the Ambassador Hotel, uh, Nasker Park, um, the, the tremendous amount of residential you've seen developed. Cargill's building is a part of that. Uh, so it's both uh, the gathering places, the urban parks, residential, commercial, 
uh, that type of investment uh, that has come into our downtown. Um, Natalie, I'm, I'm curious in the Cargill story that John talked about this morning. The decision was made that Cargill wanted to be here, but uh, there had to be things that happened. You wanted to be downtown, of course, but you also wanted to be in Old Town. Why, why did you want to be at the head of Old Town and on, on Douglas and in that, in that space? Yeah, so I'll start with a, a quick story. Um, when I uh, was brought onto the project and um, I, I was asked to lead the project, so uh, what a great opportunity, right? In a community that I love and a, a company that I love, right? There are just so many cool things about it. Um, but I, at first, took a very tactical approach to it, right? You know, I, I spent a better part of my career in Cargill in plants, like in the, the hard hat boots, right, inside manufacturing facilities. Um, and so that was my initial approach. And the first time our CEO came to Wichita to look at the project, you know, I, I was ready to talk about timeline and budget and, and, you know, those types of things. And he politely listened to it. And we're standing there, right, looking at the demolition of the, of the old building and uh, where, where we're going to build this. Um, and he looks directly at me and he says, what are we providing our employees? And that was the watershed moment to me, right, that this is about attracting and retaining talent. And the building is just a vehicle. And so that's really what it meant to us um, in the downtown. Now, how do we think bigger? Right? How do we think about, and we heard about housing and home and all these things, but you know, all of us are parents, spouses, partners, nieces, nephews, aunts, you know, we, we all are part of the human condition. And I think of myself and where my daughter chooses to go, I'm gonna take her to a community and see it for the first time, right? And drop her off and leave her there. And I, my hope for her is that she experiences what we have here and that's a community that's gonna think big, right? That's what's gonna attract and retain talent for the future, is, is seeing these investments and seeing this community and seeing that energy. And that's exactly what our CEO at the time was asking um, and challenging me with, with his one question. Yeah, I mean, if I could add, is this working? Okay. Uh, is it? Yes. Unfortunately, okay. yes. Give it a second. Excuse me. When we were looking at bringing Keycentrics to uh, a new home uh, away from where we are, where we were, which is an office building that was nestled inside of Mainsgate home community in, in uh, Northeast Wichita, one of the reasons uh, was, in, in fact, we have to support a workforce for our tech company in our backyard, uh, we could easily have chosen to do what a lot of tech companies do, which is go remote with their talent, um, maybe even officeless with their talent. And you know, we we felt a big part of our innovation comes from our ability to collaborate, and you just can't beat being next to each other to collaborate. So while we looked at ways to bring in the work patterns of the future, we also wanted to preserve the best parts of uh, what has led to innovation in the past. So as a healthcare technology company, we said, let's find a building that can serve as a lightning rod uh, for talent to come and see us. And consequently, we also think it would help, you know, folks like the Greater Wichita Partnership 
use it as a lightning rod to attract other like organizations to Wichita. We thought it'd be important for them to see a successful company that uh, does a national product. Uh, most of its customers are not in Kansas. Uh, actually, almost all of them are not in Kansas. And, and say, hey, you can be successful here and your employees are gonna love being here. Uh, so kind of a similar emotional reaction to why we decided let's come downtown and let's make this a feature. Well, and it's, and to your point, Louise, it is, it's creating a concentration of companies that um, they, they literally complement each other. I mean, there's, a, there's an energy that, that's in that process. Um, and I know, Natalie, with Cargill, I mean, y'all are a global company, and you actually now have exposed this to your board that had never been here prior, um, investment bankers from different parts of the East Coast. So let me hit that, because I think part of what this is doing, too, is it's an opportunity to market ourselves, right? I mean, to the whole country, and even globally, what's going on in Wichita, which I think with Cargill, and then, Luis, to your point, with Keycentrics and everything, I, you know, the design and everything just excites me. I mean, it's like our conference room overlooks what the design, and I applaud the sign going up, and every, I mean, it was like, I was talking to Bob Layton, and we were both working through a problem that day, and I said, hey, Bo, I'm, a, I'm gonna put you on hold for just a second. I took a picture, sent it to him, and he goes, that made my morning, you know? So it was like that energy, so it-, it Yeah, that def- sign's super cool. It is cool. <laughs> Shout out to Gardner Design yes, for that. Yes, I think Bill's in the room right there, so. But that, that part of the global, uh, Exposure as well, I think it's been important. Certainly, and, and maybe I went too fast through the Cargill piece. Uh, I just assume everybody knows, but and honestly, when I grew up here in Kansas, I didn't know who Cargill was until I got to Kansas State. Um, but we are a global company. We operate in 70 countries. We have over 150,000 teammates worldwide. Um, and, and in Wichita alone, uh, this is the protein headquarters. Um, and so we help bring, uh, farmers and ranchers bring tens of thousands, right, of cattle, turkeys, chickens uh, to your plate every day. Um, so that's what goes on inside that building. Um, and a lot of people don't know, right, it's sleepy little Wichita. Um, but Jeff, you're totally right. Um, when, when we uh, invested in downtown in this live, work, play concept to attract and retain talent, um, it, it has become a hub one of our corporate hubs uh, for multiple things. Um, Our board has had several meetings here, so think about that. That CEOs of major healthcare companies, uh, other major agribusiness companies, major tech companies coming here to Wichita, into downtown. Um, We did have uh, an investment banker meeting here. So think of all the big names in investment banking that leave New York City to come here to Wichita and downtown Wichita. Um, And in fact, part of the reason that our current CEO asked me in my current role, um, they're lifting up what we have done here as a community in Wichita for Cargill, um, and how do we build more of that around the globe, right? That we are being lifted up as a gold standard. And and I hope you know that, and it took people in this room to partner with us to do that. That's so freaking cool, guys. (laughs) That's so freaking cool. And I would argue that, you know, it's, really cool to see homegrown Wichita companies do similar things. Maybe not global, but, you know, for instance, um, part of the success of Keycentrics and coming out of nowhere is having clients like Mark Cuban, Cost Plus, come, you know, and be aware of Wichita, know who we are, bring his team here. 
23 and me, you probably half of you have spit into their cups, right? Uh, they have a pharmacy. Yes, thank you. This is why, why I shouted them out. I needed a clap. Uh, isn't that neat that a, a software company that was born here, developed here, came from mines that were uh, trained by WSU, maybe a little bit of K-State, but mostly WSU, uh, built a national company that attracts you know, the ingenuities of people like Mark Cuban. That's awesome. And maybe you don't know that, and now you do. Well, and, and I you let me know if we're over-talking this subject, but the flywheel that this creates, so the, this beautiful facility that we're in here, right? Isn't this amazing? Um, I don't even know if Cargill helped financially with this, but it's so much more than that. I do know that the first time I heard about this facility was not from downtown Wichita. It was from the chefs that Cargill has in this community because they help partner to design this. Right, and so think about, again, that flywheel as we are forward thinking and invest, um, our people will give back, right, of their time, of their talents, as I, as I know all yours will too. Rick, you have the ultimate come to downtown project now with the biomedical campus. Tell us, you know, could it, could it or can it work in other parts of Wichita and just was not a no-brainer that it had to be downtown? Well, I, I think for me and others on the team that were, were, were studying this, we needed to be in an area there was some infrastructure in place. Um, so we had a, a DO school developing. We had this uh, culinary school here, um, housing in, in this area. But if you think about um, downtown Wichita, there's Comcare, not too far from here, Via Christie St. Francis. Wesley's not that far. Um, and... Uh, uh, any kind of health science center that you look at across the country, there's that kind of density, and that's really important. Mm -hmm. my, my frame of reference is the Texas Medical Center um, in Houston. That's where I trained as a healthcare provider, which is the largest health science center in the world. And so when I came here 27 years ago, I immediately thought that was missing here. Um, and not that we would have something like the Texas Medical Center, that's where MD Anderson is. Baylor College of Medicine, it's where the, the bypass heart uh, procedure was pioneered and, and the whole uh, perfusion technology for uh, open heart surgery. Um, really some consequential things. I'm not saying that that's what I was missing, but that kind of innovation, that kind of thinking, that kind of density around healthcare um, is, is really what makes um, healthcare um, innovative and, and, and you know, improve patients' out outcomes. So that, that's what I was looking for and I thought it was missing. And, and so, uh, you know, a lot of time has gone since, since I came here, but uh, uh, most recently all this came together. Mm -hmm. Natalie, you mentioned something just a minute ago, work, live, play. Um, but everybody, every community has work, live, play. What can make Wichita stand out when we're talking about that? Well, I'll just say um, one of the things that I think we all need to be very thankful for here in Wichita, for the first time, I think, ever, or at least in a long time, that 
all the major entities here in the city, the city, the county, the educational systems, the businesses, we appear to be all on the same page and driving towards the same direction. So that collaboration um, is what I think makes that uh, really work. I mean, I was, I rode my bike up and down the Douglas the other day and open streets and, um, you know, of course, drove around here because I wanted to kind of see it and look at it. And, and, and look what was going on in front of the DO school. They had all kinds of community outreach there um, and collaborating with um, the city on that park that they created, uh, Chester Lewis Park. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's what's coming together. It's not unique in, in, in um, uh, uh, various cities, but it, it, it's a part of the, the recipe that is required to, to make all this happen. Mm -hmm. It's really hard for me to stay seated right now. Um, but the thing is, is I, just, I may have to. Um, if you look at my Berkman analysis, you'll understand why I would have to stand up. Um, but the deal is, is like, get, hopefully you, you're, and I think you are, you're capturing what we're talking about here. Cargill, we needed Cargill to do what they did. Um, they brought, as I said this earlier today, right? It was a company saying yes to Wichita versus goodbye to Wichita and they invested heavily, um, did an incredible design uh, that if you go into their headquarters, it is an example of excellence. I mean, in every aspect. Keycentric's coming in, uh, occupying yeah. a corner. Biomedical campus doesn't happen without Keycentric. It's, it's, <laughs> you started activating, you started activating. So all these things, and there's 107 of these projects, right, that we're talking about, that created an atmosphere so that, you know, Rick, I shared when we were walking around downtown, right, with Dr. Samari and Dr. Gerard, it's like all those things came together and there was vibrancy and they could see the future, they could see themselves in the future of this city. And what's landed out of that, okay, is it's gonna be the largest to date investment in downtown's history at over $300 million, 3,000 students, 200 faculty and staff, 1,600 jobs will come to support it it immediately took our, our market analysis, our need for residential, another 1,300 units conservatively. So on top of where we were already, that was 3,000. So 4,300 units are needed. I mean, we just need to pause for a moment because what this is doing, this thing is turning. Now, it's fragile. I think to Rick's, you know, what some of the things of people working together, this is every, when I say fragile, I'm talking about all of it, not biomed, I'm just saying, this alignment, this working together, you have to be intentional every day. And there are gonna be moments where it's challenged. But the thing for Wichita is that it has in its DNA that we can have the conversations, get resolution, and walk out united. Now, each of us may have had to figure out, okay, what am I willing to lay aside in order to move forward? But that's what's happening, and it's really unique. And that's the piece of this that I think, as we look to the future, all these projects are really positioning us but we have to every day work on that being intentional, intentional with those relationships. But I, I just want to give a round of applause to this group right now because you've laid an incredible framework for success of the future. So let's do it. <laughs> All right. I think I can sit a little bit calmer now. So okay. I can feel well, the buzz can I just coming make out. Of you. Sure. Yeah. So so we're talking about this part of town. Uh, up to Cargill, um, but really the, the vision is much broader than yep. that, in, in my mind. 
And, and uh, if you look at some of the plans that we have laid out uh, uh, on the Wichita, uh, Wichita Biomedical Campus concept, is that we're basically creating this corridor that stretches you know, east to St. Francis or around there and all the way to, to Via Christi. And it's important for us to, to, to think about this, um, this biomedical campus as, as much broader. If you think about what we've done at the Innovation Campus, the first uh, facility that we built, you know, remember? No one thought that was gonna work. Um, it was not a happy place around Wichita State for many years. <laughs> Um, just fighting that um, resistance to, to that campus. Um, we, we built that uh, engineering uh, experiential building, which is now called the John Bardo Center, as envisioned by uh, John Bardo, former president. Um, and that was the key thing. It, it sparked all kinds of other interests on, on the campus, and now we have almost 50 companies that either are headquartered there or have offices on, on that part of the campus. That's what, we're, that's what I think we should be doing here. Um, and, and again, it's more focused around uh, the biotech, um, food, food science, um, you know, patient outcomes, improving patient outcomes. We have a faculty group right now that on their own have already established a center for health humanities and, and bioethics. Um, which is what you see at most health science centers, uh, mature health science centers, and we already have the beginnings of that uh, from this. So I would just encourage all of you um, and, and whoever you know, your employees, um, whoever you, you work with, this is really incumbent on all of us to think about what this could be going forward because every health science center we've studied, uh, small cities, cities that have just recently done this, have all sparked more innovation, uh, movement of biotech companies um, uh, closer to, to, to that infrastructure that was built. So I see this as the very beginning of the infrastructure, phase one, and many more phases to come. We should have put Rick on the end so when he points over the biomedical campus, he's not close to hitting. <laughs> Rick, we did a story a couple weeks ago about downtown momentum, and I want to read a quote from you. <clears throat> what all this has taught me is that you need to have big, bold ideas. I think sometimes in the Midwest, people are not prone to have those kinds of big ideas. I think that's something I would have heard from Luis, too. But you said it. Um, I'm, I'm curious about, it. you know, obviously biomedical is going to be big and bold, but do you have to... Do you have to take an extra step to be aspirational? To, it's, it's going to change the skyline. Uh, do you think in those terms when you design a building or when you talk to people about designing a building and, and making it a jewel for the city? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, this building that we will build out here has to be um, uh, a consequent, I don't know if the right thing is, uh, Jeff, you, you, you know all the words and all this <laughs> stuff, but a really consequential, um, uh, very unique um, facility that will carry us into the future. We're not building another Alberg Hall on Wichita State campus. Um, we're building a, a building that will carry us uh, into the future. So it, it's, that's gonna be key. Just to my quote, and, it, and as soon as I said that to your reporter, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm probably gonna regret that. Um, but just my context is where I came from and where I grew up and where I, where I was educated and trained as a clinician um, is really what I want for Wichita. And it's, it's just, that's it. 
Um, so it wasn't to be negative. You know, I've been here for 27 years, so it's me too. Um, one of the things that taught me in all of this is uh, when we uh, first start, started talking about this project four or five years ago, um, uh, before COVID, and before monies were available to help uh, communities transition to a post-COVID environment, um, was a big idea. If we didn't have that big idea, and those, that funding that was available that's helping uh, move this forward, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be here today. So I keep telling the folks that I work with on campus and who, who are working on transforming our campus, we have to have big ideas for people to get their hands around. That's what people want to see. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to just dovetail on the big idea thing because I don't think it's negative. So if you went home thinking it came from a negative pr perspective, I would argue most everyone here read it, I think, positively. So I hope you get a few more REM cycles. Uh, but that said, there's such a thing as breaking the mental script. Right? So we talk about our Midwestern values. We've heard it before about how we're nice and humble and maybe to some extent as a city have imposter syndrome in certain ways. I know that Jeff has worked hard to erase that syndrome, uh, really hard to erase that syndrome. But there's such a thing as breaking that mental script uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a common technique you have to have. So if we're going to be putting a medical campus here, and he's saying it, I don't, but I get my chance to tell him now. <laughs> so if we're putting a medical campus in here, let's have the architecture, right? Let's have the prominence. Let's have the thing that says, oh, Wichita, hello, right? Uh, but let's go for that. I mean, if you look at much smaller places, you can argue that it's a bit of a destination place, but if you look at like, Reykjavik and their museum and the steps they took, a community that's tiny, tiny means, tiny things, uh, they decided to build a really, really dramatic performing arts and museum and it looks beautiful, it's stunning. Uh, it actually, I think, you know, mimics the, the stunning look of the, of the arena that China built for the Olympics. But, you know, we have to be bold in that way. Uh, because it breaks the mental scripts. It makes anyone coming through here, anyone growing up here, anyone living here, anyone working here, stop and say, what I thought I knew about Wichita is not correct, right? So I hope that as we move, look at Jeff. <laughs> I just wait for you to pause. I'm gonna stop, you got it. Okay, here you go. Now you know what it's like. No. No. <laughs> no uh, to all the things that Louise is saying, um, Rick, with what they're doing, is going to set the, the architectural vernacular for the rest of the biomedical campus. You're going to set the standard. Vernacular. That's vernacular. The, that's the word. Um, he really wanted to say I, it. And I do, I do want to say that I smiled when I read the journal. I was like, yes, uh, with that statement. Um, and I will tell you, I told Rick this when Helix and Co. came, that, that's the architectural team working on this project. Uh, Jason was with me. I might tear up now. Um, we started talking about the building, and they said, you know, Jeff, we, we've been hired, we've been engaged to design the building. We want to talk about the ecosystem in which the building exists. And I was like, oh, this is so good. I mean, because what that means is that, yes, they understand the incredible opportunity in designing a building, but it's how does a building relate to the environment in which it is located? And how does it serve, and, and you all did this with Cargill, 
How is it that it will stimulate or be a catalyst for the next great thing? That's a different DNA. When a community is thinking that way, and that can go from governmental buildings to, I mean, all of it, right? It's like, how is it that we really think about how this project sets the stage for the next? And I think that's, when I think about what's going on with Biomed right now, and the magnitude of it, I mean, this is more than just, you know, a block. It's multiple blocks. It's, it's corridors. Um, the significance of this is incredible for our community. And that's part of what we're so excited about today is that this is how we need to really just cultivate. And it is a cultivation of our community to think this way about design. Because we are at that place, as I was talking earlier, and if you want to know what's keeping me up, okay, I, I kind of threw that. I had it written down. All right. Is that we don't take advantage of these opportunities that we have right now to the fullest potential. I mean, I'm telling you, there are cities, we're, we're very um, unique in the position of having a biomed campus, $100 million on our riverfront in private sector development, a $30 billion project with exploration place, private sector coming in like key centrics, all, all happening at the same time. What that does allow us to do is as these buildings, all these sites are being designed, because they're being designed concurrently. That's another exciting opportunity, is how is it that you link what these projects do for each other, that there is a playing off of each other in some form of fashion. I will tell you that when we looked at Wichita in 2008, you had great, we had great epicenters, right? It was about connecting. That's why Douglas was so important to get strong. That was the spine that began to connect. That's in place, and we still have more work to do, but now you have these type of projects coming in that look at the broader aspect. And we have a very large downtown, geographically. Uh, it is a large city. So it, that's why I get so excited right now, because I truly believe the next couple years, we have such a huge opportunity to get it right. But it's gonna make, we're gonna have to stretch ourselves, right? We're gonna to have to continue to be aspirational. We're gonna to have to invest large. We're gonna to have to be tenacious not to settle. And we've gotta provide support to these type of projects as they move forward. Because there's gonna be moments where we're gonna to need to really support them. So that's, that's the thing that's stirring to me right now. Cargill was, the, the Cargill building was big and bold. I don't think anybody will argue that, but what was Cargill's expectation of the rest of downtown? I mean, there had to be, you know, we expect more of this from you, right? Oh, oh certainly. Um, I, I think it was a big part of the decision. I, I know it was a big part of the decision to stay in Wichita. Um, that there was, and you, I'm gonna springboard off the word you use, Jeff, ecosystem in place for support. And we certainly felt it. Everything from the site selection to utilities, right, to, um, they gave us uh, Tim Goodpasture from the Economic Development Council, and he was like a point of contact if we needed anything and we were running into anything. All those types of touch points take very deliberate, proactive forethought from a community. And, and we felt it, and still feel it today. Uh, and, and so I, I think that uh, as we look to the future, don't underestimate those types of things because um, whether you're a small business or a large business coming in here, you can feel it and you can see the, the interest in it. Um, and, and so more of that, Wichita. Let's talk about private development and how it figures into all of this. Um, Bob Layton, I don't know Bob still here. Um, 
He's talked about publicly that, that performing arts, if it's to happen, needs to happen with a lot of private development, uh, taking the charge, taking the lead on it. Um, and I think everybody here would like to see private uh, performing arts be a, a priority. Um, what are the keys to doing it right here? No matter where it is, what are the keys? A big piece of with performing arts in particular is going to be private philanthropy. Um, there are cities that do this extremely well with private, and we have a very generous community. Uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, we you just go to some of our uh, great destinations and you'll see names of companies listed uh, that have been very supportive. Um, I think we're at a threshold now, as you look at cities like Omaha, um, even the city I've moved uh, from, Baton Rouge, there has been a uh, incredible harnessing of the private philanthropy uh, to really go into large capital initiatives. Um, Baton Rouge, when I was there, Shaw Center for the Arts uh, is, a, is a prime example of how the university, LSU, worked with um, performing arts and, and, and the uh, community foundation there to develop an incredible anchor. Um, so I think, Kurt, part of this is new opportunities of challenges, if you will, in a good way, of how is it we work with the philanthropic community. You know, I look at Bill Gardner, right out here. You know, it's like, what, what do I know about Bill that I go to Bill for the right project to say, I know your passion, I know what you want to see happen for this city. Um, this is an opportunity I would love for you to consider, but I'd love for him to consider it in the meeting that we're in and when we're walking out the door, he's like, the money's on its way for what I can do on this project. And, and I think that's where our city is. I mean, uh, you know, Elizabeth King's done incredible work with WSU and raising capital. I'd like now, how do we take that and go across our city so that as we look at performing arts, and the reason I mentioned Omaha is that uh, Heritage Services is a group that's there in Omaha. Um, and they've been able to harness the philanthropy that way. In fact, we had Sue Morris in town uh, back in 18, I think it was, and uh, it was a magical evening. We actually met in the old library, uh, and it snowed that night, and we put everybody in a snow globe, uh, and it was just, you know, the lights were in, and we started talking about philanthropy, and we missed the opportunity. We should have started it right then, uh, but the thing is, I think we really, that's a $150 million project if we do it right, and we need to do it right, um, and it needs to be what I showed you all today, right, along the Frank Gehry line of what you saw in Los Angeles with the Walt Disney Concert Hall, right? It needs to be very distinctive, just as like what Rick is doing. But again, uh, I think the synergy is there now. It's just how do we harness it? And, and we don't need to take 10 years to do it because I think unlocking the performing arts will then help unlock the convention center and other pieces along our riverfront. I just wanna um, make it clear to everybody that the Wichita Biomedical Campus will require some private investment. You know, we, we have a, a big um, uh, advance on this with some public money, but it will require some private investment. I, I just want to say a little bit about fine arts and performing arts. Um, you know, one of the things that kind of motivated us around health sciences is that is the thought of bringing the services, the resources of Wichita State University, where the people are. We're at the core of the city. You know, health science centers are always usually at the core of the city, so it's fully accessible. Well, in performing arts, yes, we have very high quality performing arts um, uh, programs at, at the university, but 
where the performances take place you know, in a, in a very professional way or in the core of the city. So I think there's opportunities there, um, not just Wichita State, but, but other um, uh, educational institutions here. If I could, if I could add, we, we should learn the lesson of the last 10 years a little bit and you know, look out that window and look at the arena. I'm willing to bet you that as you were talking about the inception of the arena, nobody bet on having an NCAA tournament here, uh, you know, let alone more than one. Um, and, and what that did for our city in terms of elevating its profile across a number of periodicals and, and news outlets. And so when we think about the performing arts and or convention center, I th I, I'm going to throw out there, we just said be bold, but now we're trying to separate the idea of convention and performance art because, you know, I guess we can only digest the, one of those ideas without someone flipping out about Century 2. And I could, I could say Century 2, right? Okay. Uh, but, but let's not do that, okay? We, we need something inspiring, and, and we have the case studies in our own backyard that back that it will work. I think, and she's gone, damn it, uh, Susie would tell you she could fill that place, right? If it's the right facility with the right drama, with the right energy. And so let, let's learn that lesson and say, let's get behind it, right? I was hoping. Thank you. <laughs> I planted Tanya too. Oh, by the way, Bill has no money. <laughs> you are, you're going to the wrong example. <laughs> I need to go to Louise and understand what Louise. Uh, one thing I know that everyone here is proud of is how the city is trying to attract companies to Wichita after a time when we were trying to keep companies here. Um, I'm just going to throw out some names of companies that are new to Wichita. Novacoast, Nomadics. Modig Machine and Tool, JTM Foods, Millennium Corp, Quickstep, Charlotte Pipe and Foundry. Uh, those are a few new to Wichita names. How do those additions figure in the city's momentum? How do you keep that up? Um, talk about that kind of momentum. It's, again, we're in an incredible time where you are seeing a list of cities, or a list of companies that is, look at Wichita and actually make the decision. You know, Novacoast, we're their global headquarters now. I mean, they originally was just coming in to have a location. Uh, Paul Anderson saw the incredible opportunities here in a short period of time, said this is gonna be our global headquarters. Um, so we've been able to add that to what we talk about. Um, the, the positioning of Wichita um, with the attraction of these companies post-COVID, um, we've had some opportunities. That's where some of these have landed from coast, east and west where they've looked at the Midwest differently than they did before the pandemic. So we've been able to utilize almost like a new economy, if you will, of atmosphere to be able to land those companies. The other part uh, on some of these companies is that Senator Moran um, is incredible to open up opportunities to us. He holds a very key position on appropriations with defense and space. It makes a difference. Um, and he is very willing to host companies here in Wichita. Uh, he does it all the time. Um, to the point where with the biomed, with space, we're even talking about, uh, when we were in DC last week, meeting with some companies that deal strictly with space about the biomed, and we started talking about, well, what's the connections maybe between space, 
bioengineering, testing in space, all that out of Wichita or out of the state of Kansas. We weren't having that conversation six months ago or a year ago. Now we were, we were having Blue Origin in, United Launch Alliance. We were having companies in. And actually, some of our companies, the purpose of all this, let me back up just a little bit, aerospace, right? Spine of our community. Um, we've heard about diversifying industry uh, in our economy. Well, we've always been a firm believer of yes to that, but you also want to diversify within aerospace. So commercial GA, I mean, I mean Textron had a huge announcement just yesterday. Um, so all that's really important, but what we've been seeing happen uh, over the last few years, a lot through Senator Moran, is that the portfolios of these companies are diversifying in space and defense. We have, we're one of the aerospace uh, clusters in the world, so what that means is, is we have a very robust supply chain uh, in this region, but also across our state. So with all this new industry coming in, diversification, it creates depth for the book of business for our supply chain. So all these things are really, really important. We've, we've talked about how, you know, now with, with Biomed, you're creating depth within uh, healthcare. So we're about the business of creating depth with all of our industry sectors. So that there was a question earlier about what happens if the economy of North America does whatever. Our hope is, is that by creating depth within these industry sectors that we won't see the pendulum swings that we have in the past. In fact, I think there's already evidence of that. We've, we've, we've kind of leveled that out a little bit. You're still gonna have some impacts, but not like we've seen. But that's why it's so important, Kurt, you know, to be able to, to attract companies is a very hard endeavor to do. I mean, you're asking someone to come into a community that they're not in, but we're doing it. Uh, and I think Cargill laid a foundation to demonstrate that we are a community that can keep its own, even in the midst. I mean, we, we were, um, I'm trying to think how ready to say this. Um, I'll just say it. Uh, we were up against Texas for them, okay? We're not Texas but yet we prevailed. And to me, underdog in some regards, right? We were fighting, we were fighting above, uh, above our weight class. That's what I was looking for. And, but that demonstrated, right, this community goes after what it wants and it will support what it gets. And our conversations a lot of times with the companies is, yes, we want you to make the decision to come, but we're also with you along the way afterwards because we want you to continue to grow. And, and part of that has been They've been incredibly impressed with the alignment of the private sector, the political will here to see great things happen. Companies don't always have that. And so again, that's a part of the DNA. So we've got to, you want to continue to track the net new, that's new capital coming into your community, exposure. You also want to expand who's here. I mean, we want it all. I mean, someone will say, what do you want? All of it. I mean, because again, it's a balance of that that really creates strength and that's what we're after. If I could say, yeah. You first, because you're smarter. <laughs> you sure? Sure. If, if I could just say, attracting other companies to the area is, is no-brainer. I'm just going to throw it out there. Duh, we need to do that. We're not going to originate all of the jobs from here. But if you could use the example of Austin, maybe. Have you heard of Austin being called the Silicon Gulch? Just nod if you've heard that. You, that starts with this idea that they were already good enough for it. And when Jeff says, hey, Cargill staying here helped set this up, 
Coke being here helps set this up. Them having the courage to speak up for our community sets this up. We have the two largest private companies in the world, one with its headquarters here and one with its protein headquarters here, and they battle for first place all the time. And we've always had the makings for this. It, it isn't a revolution because we have a nice downtown that we're doing this. It's just that Jeff's doing what Austin did when they made the Silicon Gulch, which is the equivalent. This is my favorite story of Austin. When they were courting Texas Instrument, which is what kicked the whole thing off. Texas Instruments wanted land. The word got out that they were gonna get some farmland. And that farmer was like, well, now it's 20 times more expensive, right? And Texas was like, Texas Instruments was like, no, we're not doing it. Does this sound like your life, J Jason? Okay, <laughs> yeah, we're not doing it, we're not doing it. So they find another plot of land by a highway and Texas Instruments says, we're not, we're not coming down. We're, we're, it's not gonna happen. And he manages, the, the Eco Devo guy down there, manages to convince them to fly over and he'll show them from the ground while, while they're in the plane. Isn't that wild? And what he did was he took a bed sheet and ran to each corner of the land that he wanted to sell them. And he got a call when they landed that they were gonna take the land. And that's because that guy really believed in what Austin could provide infrastructure-wise to be a chip maker hub center. And, you know, not to give him more reason to talk, but Jeff is doing that for us, but it's, he, all he is is reflecting the assets we already have and letting that be a benefit to ourselves. So if you go out there into the public and you're talking about Wichita and you're not talking about how awesome we are and how stupid it would be to do it anywhere else, then you're the problem. Don't be the problem. <laughs> Follow that, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, since you brought up Austin, um, what I'm going to quiz you. What what is another unique aspect about why mm -hmm. Austin? Yeah, I, I grew up in, down in Texas and went to Austin when there was no highways or anything. Um, uh, what what's also unique about that? Uh, about the about their expansion. The fact that they could expand. Well, I personally I always liked that they don't have any geographical element to them. They have nothing to show off geography wise. So I always thought it was incredible that they were able to sprout with you know no mountain no river no you know you name it but but i failed his quiz which is why he's smarter <laughs> i did didn't i i failed no um, actually i think austin's kind of cool it has a lot of, it has a lot of little hills and uh, anyway oh i think it's boring um uh the other Part of the recipe to Austin's success was the university, University of Texas in Austin. And, you know, we have great universities here, too. Not, well, I'm just not, not talking about Wichita State. We have, we have a, a college right here. Um, and the number one concern of, of employers is talent. And so one of the things that I want to just mention and follow up with Jeff said is that uh, many of us at the university Everybody from uh, Dr. John Tomlin, who's our senior VP for industry and defense, Sherry Utash, who's president of WSU Tech, myself, Tanya Witherspoon, others at the university are on these trips um, also. 
to, to assure, to answer questions about where the talents is and where, where is the R&D side of this. Um, that's very reassuring to them when they hear that and they, and they see that and when we show up. And what if they, amen to that. Uh, Wait, amen it's going to that. be if my you, turn here in a minute. Yeah, you, you talk. <laughs> I just wanted to say amen to that. Wichita State, awesome. We yield the floor. <laughs> Thank you. So I have 10 minutes now? Yes, you have okay. 10 uh, the, it, And I totally agree with everything you all are saying, right? It, and that's why I told the story, the, the harsh learning that I got from our CEO about what are we going to provide our talent, right? Um, so it... And, and part of that ecosystem is making sure they're skilled up. And I don't know, it doesn't, it, the universities are great, but think about all kinds of skilling up, right? Jason, you did a good job mentioning we need the janitors. We, you know, in Cargill, we're a manufacturing company. Think about highly skilled workers that know how to weld and lay concrete. You know, we, the world needs these things and, and really be think, forward thinking and talent and how, how we approach that. Um, but at another point that I wanted to make here and, and how Cargill uh, is forward thinking um, in this space, one of our values is um, people first. And so as we think about a community and we think about talent, how are we being inclusive? So that when people show up here, when we're attracting these companies, they feel welcome. All their talent feels welcome. Right, so that, that's another challenge that I offer to this community. We need to continue to think about inclusivity and, and being that place that anybody, no matter what walk of life you come from, feels welcome here. That's a great point. Thank you, Louise and Jeff, for the floor. <laughs> Before we go to questions, get your questions ready, I'd like each of you to end with something that you, when you daydream about downtown, and I'm sure we all do that quite a bit, uh, what do you see that is something just totally aspirational? It could be with a project, with your building, with the partnership, with whatever you do. <laughs> but, but look five, ten years down the road and think aspirationally. One thing, and keep it kind of brief. I look at the ends when I say that. <laughs> I think I talk too much sometimes. Um, <laughs> A city that is truly realizing its potential. And it has, and, and I know that's not pointing to a project, or, but, but it's, it is the mindset that it is truly meeting, and, and actually even exceeding its potential. That it's, it's that type of place that whether you're from here or you move here, you have, you feel like you're a part of that fabric of that DNA of the city. I would say we've already gotten to 1.6 billion. Why can't we do five? Why can't we do 10? Do I mean, it, let's think like this. Um, and I think about our friends at the Kansas Leadership Center, and I keep their card with their leadership principles next to me. And one of the ones that I have to remind myself of, because um, again, I grew up in this area, I'm a local gal, but leadership is risky. And risk isn't bad, right? I think we've told lots of stories throughout the day about how we've uh, planned ahead, We've taken calculated risks. They've paid off. Which shall we got this? Let's go. I've already said it. Um, we need a, a biomedical corridor here in this facility. Uh, not this facility. In this city, in our city. Um, uh, we have all the ingredients for it. 
you know, we have uh, what we've learned in aviation with materials, what we've learned um, in digital transformation. We have the healthcare um, programs. We have all of that. Um, I, I see that uh, that basic uh, part of the recipe will lead to a true, vibrant biomedical core at some point. I want, when I travel doing whatever it is I do, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I want, um, when I say I'm from Kansas, for people to guess Wichita first. Um, I want, in our future, uh, for Kansas City to live in our shadow, uh, for Oklahoma to live in our shadow, um, whatever that takes. That's it for Biz Talk this week, episode 329. Hope you enjoyed the conversation from the panel, and you can check out full coverage of the conference in the September 29th Business Journal. Check out all our podcast episodes at our Biz Talk Hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Biz Talk is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here. Visit them today at equitybank.com forward slash evolve. Be well and be safe. Have a profitable week.